We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. Hi, I'm Yui Shu. And I'm Julie Kraftchik. We're active daters turned dating sociologists. Here to dive into everything modern dating and relationships. Welcome to the Dateable Podcast. Friends, we are ecstatic to have you back for anybody who's new. Welcome, <laughs> welcome. to Dateable. <laughs> and for anyone who's returning, so nice to have you here. We love our returning listeners it's so wonderful to have people consistently listen to us and hope hopefully you don't get sick of our voices because it's we're the consistent voices on this show. <laughs> Never. It's been it's been a fun summer, Julie, I have to say. It's been a really interesting summer. And this month in particular, our friend Sonica reminded me there are two full moons. So that means mm. it's a blue moon. And you know the saying, everyone's in a blue moon. It just means there's unique things are happening in this month. So just, I don't know, keep that in the back of your mind. Who knows what's going to happen? I, I believe in that shit now because I'm now woo-woo. <laughs> I feel like you are living out your hot girl single summer every time I talk Hell to you. yes. I feel Hell like yes. there's been this, I've been in a relationship for five years. It's been released. And now I'm just embracing single life because let's be honest, single life can be fun. I don't know. 
like I feel like we're always trying to escape single life, but there's so much Mm -hmm. benefits that come with it too. And the other part that I'm exploring about myself is that it's not about being single because I'm not going out to meet guys. Actually, I don't, I actually don't talk to guys when I go out. (laughs) That's the phase that you're in for sure. (laughs) I'm in the single but no talking to guys phase. The hot single girl summer without talking to guys summer. But I I really enjoy this time hanging out with my girlfriends and just having this resurgence of energy. I know for a while I was like, oh, I just don't have the energy to go out. I don't have the energy to stay out. Somehow it just got infused in me. And now I have all this energy and all this motivation to do everything. And last night I had a talk with myself and I said, make sure you're not doing all of this as a distraction, but make sure it's Mm. intentional that it's not like, oh my God, I got to fill up my social calendar. So I'm not home. Right by myself with my own thoughts. And I agreed to that last night and really thought back and everything I've been doing has been intentional and had meaning and had a bonding moment, you know, with friends as a part of it. So I'm glad that I'm not doing this to distract myself. That's not that's not yeah. something I want to get into yet. Yeah. And if the day comes that you're like, I need to just sit at home and be with my thoughts and yes. mourn and take it in, then you do that. You know, I feel like with being single, I actually feel like the part about being single that I actually enjoyed wasn't like going out like looking for dudes like that wasn't it or mm-hmm. even just, you know, endless date after date. That was not it. It was the ability to just get to know myself and be with myself. Yes. And of course, like friends and anyone else too that came into the mix. But just that aspect and like be with your passions and do what you want to do when you want to do it. And not to say you can't do that on your own when you're in a relationship either. I actually think having that separation is really important. And like now that I'm living with my partner, like there are days like yesterday, I went and got sushi and wine by myself because, you know, I was just like, I want to like sit. I read Nikki Novo's new book because I'm really into that right now about living a soul-led mm-hmm. life. We're going to have her back on the podcast, which is amazing. And it's all about how do you use your intuition and how do you start to live the life you're meant to be living? And I'm like, you know, I need this separation of myself because that yeah. sometimes can get really lost in a relationship. Yes. And that's a perfect transition into the Barbie movie because, okay, <laughs> I want to first start with this. Movies are like art, You take away from it what you want to take away from it. So Mm -hmm. I had to remove myself from the pressures of, oh, did I catch all the nuances of the Barbie movie? Did I get all the message that I was supposed to get from it? But I realized I watch a movie for me and I take away what I want from it. And my overall takeaway from that movie was it's hard to be a human. And our only responsibility on earth is to figure out who we are individually, not in comparison to someone else or not in relation to someone else, but who we are individually. And I I think that's why so related to what you're saying is in a relationship, sometimes we define ourselves in relation to our partner, Mm -hmm. but there's also a separation of who are we even without this partner. Yeah. And I I love that we made the transition to the Barbie movie because you and I have been dying (laughs) to talk about it. There's 
so many thoughts that have gone through my head with it. But to relate to that first, I think what actually kind of like made me a little sad about it was that, you know, maybe Ken just wasn't for Barbie. And that's fine. Like if that's Mm, not her mm -hmm. person, then that's not her person. But I don't want people to like walk away the message of women don't need men because I don't think that is what they were trying to say. I actually think the real message was that like both people need to find themselves. And even Barbie's parting words to Ken was like, you need to live and be Ken on your own. I think that is actually the most important part. It's not like women don't need men or men only need women who are just going to serve them and not be equal partners. It's how do you live independently, know yourself and then find someone that your lives can mesh with in a way that feels both parties are like thriving more because of it, not like at a detriment or subservient way to one another. Right. Yeah. It's not about being an accessory to someone or being the more dominant one in a relationship. At the end of the day, we are all part of the social construct. And our friend Sonica, I'll bring it back to her because she made this really good point. She's like, the movie is not a feminist movie. It's a movie with feminist themes. So it's the takeaway is not like go feminism and go women and how hard it is to be women. It's just hard to be a human being in general. But she also pointed out that did you notice that even in the patriarchy, men are also boxed in. Yeah. You know, Ken felt like he had to be this, he had to be a Finger certain persona. Loving, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had to have this certain house and like dress a certain way because he's now part of the patriarchy. So yeah, the patriarchy is created by men and it definitely is not beneficial to women, but it also doesn't benefit men because they cannot step out of the box. Once they do, they can't benefit from the patriarchy. My favorite character, well, not my favorite, but one character I liked, I would say most of the Barbies were my favorite, but I also liked Alan. He made me laugh because I read somewhere, I do not remember him at all from Barbie, by the way. He was definitely before our time. And I think that was the point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was only one Alan. But there was this funny, I forget where I read it, but it was like, Ken is the guy that peaked in high school and Alan's the guy that peaked yes. at 45. And I was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So he was like in there with the women, you know, like really going. Yes. Yeah. He's the guy that you have a pact with when you're 13. If we're both yeah. single by the time we're 45, totally. we're getting married. Totally. And then at 45, Alan pops up. He's like, hey, remember me? Right. But those are the overlooked guys. I'm telling you, like we actually have an episode that's coming up. It will be our season opener that we're really excited about that we talk about like, like there's a lot of uneven distributions about who people find quote unquote attractive. And you know, Mm. Alan, I feel like is like the perfect scenario of that person that never gets swiped out on a dating app ever. That's like this hidden gem that would make someone so happy and be the best partner, but is totally overlooked at all times. So it is It is funny that that kind of theme came to surface in the Barbie movie also. Oh, and I know. That was so funny. I want a sequel just with Alan. Who cares about the other people? I just want Alan. And it's Michael Sarah too. <laughs> He's so sweet. He's so cute. I do realize my taste in celebrities have changed as I oh, age totally. as well. Like I, right? Now I look at him like, he's not that bad. <laughs> no, I'm I like, he's for cute. That. Yeah. He's got it. Yeah. You know, yeah. we talked a few weeks ago 
about kind of like anti-feminism side of Barbie. And I actually am really glad this movie came out because it was a reminder that when Barbie did launch, she actually was like pretty feminist. Like the fact that there were different occupations and like honestly things that we take for granted nowadays because as a woman, you can be a doctor. You can do all this stuff. But there was like Dr. Barbie was like a thing that was revolutionary at the time. And I thought the part when she goes into the real world thinking that all these girls are going to be like, thank you for all you did. (laughs) And then they were all like, um, you fucked up you our body image and you yes. are just like a blonde bimbo that does nothing. So it's interesting how Barbie's evolved over the years because I think when it first came out in like the 50s, it was like 56, right? When she came out, Something it was like, like 50s that, or yeah. 60s. Yeah, like I think she actually was like a feminist icon. Yeah, the intentionality is behind it. But ultimately, I think at the end when, you know, they say, why don't we do an ordinary Barbie? That was also, mm-hmm. I resonated with that because I feel like women are expected to be extraordinary in this world. Yes. In addition to being just a woman, you can't just be just a woman. You have to do be all these other things and all all these other accomplishments. And if you're just ordinary Barbie, you look like that. (laughs) That's what just a woman looks like. So I think there needs to be definitely more representation of the of the ordinary woman who's already extraordinary in her own way but just not with yeah. these labels that you see or like this crazy hip to waist ratio that's totally unrealistic <laughs> and her her feet i love the feet yeah her feet that was amazing and i love when she was like oh wearing heels is actually not very comfortable when you have flat feet yes Yes, but that's what's interesting you. about it. And I wonder, because it was developed by a woman, right? Like the initial mm-hmm. Barbies, if you look back to them, yeah, like they're not like her wearing pink. They're not the way it evolved. And it wasn't mm-hmm. so like, of course, like fashion was an aspect of, I don't want to say it was never I used to like dress your Barbies, but I feel like over the years, like it just became less about, I don't know, the maybe initial intention and more about just like, how do we make these people look pretty? And I think that's where some mm-hmm. of the criticism came in. Probably because like, let's be honest, people are trying to sell toys, you know, it's probably a lot of male based people working there. Yeah. But do you see boys playing with, I know nowadays boys play with dolls, but back in the day, what did boys play with that represented them? You know, other than- Oh, my brother played with Barbies, but he only played because the option was play with Barbies with me or don't play with me at all. Those were his two options. What a good brother. I still have a hard time believing he's your younger brother. He's- (laughs) He's been your older brother even before he came out of the womb. (laughs) I wouldn't say he like chose to play Barbies. It was more of a default. But you're right. There are no like, it's maybe Legos, but the, that's more about building than like the people in the community. Like they don't there have are Lego dolls. men. Yeah, they don't have things that look like them or human, no. in, like human form. They played with tools and houses and trucks. But girls played with objects, dolls that represented them in real life. That's wild. Yeah. Did you? Okay. So like, I'm asking this as like you being Asian American too, because there were some Mm -hmm. Asian American Barbies. There was like Polynesian Barbie, which is also debatable. It's just Barbie with black hair. (laughs) Right. There wasn't like the representation, I feel like, for Asian Americans in Barbie. And maybe I'm wrong. 
wrong, so I stand corrected if someone could point to this, but that's the perception I have, at least, that I can't really think of a ton of Asian American Barbies that represented most people. Do you feel like there was any feeling you had with that? Because, like, as a white girl, like, I definitely, I don't know if I said necessarily, like, identified with Barbie, but I just didn't think that much about it. Yeah. I think it's the same because it, there was no Barbie in China that I can recall. There's no way we could have afforded a Barbie. But when we came over to the U.S., I just figured, of course, I'm going to play with a doll that looks white because I'm in the yeah. U.S. I didn't mm. think anything of it. It's just like, of course, it's like going to a friend's house and everyone's white. Of course, everyone's white. So Of course, all the toys are going to be white. I didn't feel like there needed to be representation of me because I was in a foreign country. But my friend Emmy, I'll give her a shout out. She told me that as a as a kid, she had a Barbie, but she's Japanese and she had a Japanese version of Barbie and actually many okay. of them that were manufactured in Japan. So in our, I guess, own countries, we had that. So was it part of Mattel? No, no, no. Completely okay. different. Got it. But she called it Japanese Barbie because that's the <laughs> reference that you have. Got it. Even though it wasn't actually built by the Barbie company. No. Interesting. No, t- completely different. And it makes sense. It's like, yeah, I think back in the 50s or even before that, you build dolls that represent what your people look like. Although Barbie is yeah. a little too exaggerated. But yeah, of course, in I would argue like in Japan, you're not going to find a blonde Right. Japanese Barbie. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm curious if Barbie will have a resurgence. I feel oh, like. has. Yeah. But like, I feel like my friend's kids and they might be just too young, but they're like really into Disney princesses, but I haven't seen as much like Barbie stuff, but I feel like that's going to change with this movie. I heard Ken is flying off the shelves. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which. <laughs> It's just like, that is kind of fucked when you think about it. Like, that's like the takeaway. It is kind of fucked. I mean, I think Ryan Gosling did an amazing job. I don't want to say he did it. He was meant to play that role. But it just kind of irked me a little with like people's takeaway is like, that was the best part of the movie. There's a little bit of irk that happens for me. Well, think about the nature of the movie. It's still a commercial movie. It's not an indie film. So this was made for a broad audience and they need to sell merch. And if you think about it, the only thing that really sells merch is the stickiness of Ken, the character, and the, his sayings, the the Mojo mojo Dojo ca- Casa House and yeah, I'm not I'm Ken enough. enough. You know, he had all these sayings that are sticky enough for merch. Yeah. And of course, they're going to be selling, right? But Barbie didn't have much that she said. And you can't exactly have her monologue on a T-shirt. Right. <laughs> that right, would be a like... lot. <laughs> America for eras, yeah. Oh, it was a good movie. I'm glad we saw it. It was cute. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was good. It definitely gives a lot to reflect on, and maybe the sequel movie will have them having an equal partnership. That's my hope. Maybe it's not Ken. <laughs> maybe it's someone that Barbie actually respects and also respects her. <laughs> yeah, apparently Greta said she's not doing a sequel. She, they never even fathom the success of this movie. So she's like, I'm not going to gamble and try to do a sequel. Makes sense. I mean, I think like, clearly there was success of this, but there's also like zero movies out in the last year. Like, yes, big movies, you know, so I think yes, it rode they, some of that too. <laughs> the timing of it all yeah. made so much sense. And then uh, another friend of mine, she, she said, when was the last time you went to the movies with girlfriends because you were excited about a movie? And I was like, Bridesmaids? No. Which was like, I what, know. 10 it's years been a ago? while. It's been a while. So the timing really made sense. And people made it an event 
to go see the movie. Yeah. There were people, like, there was a girl that was in a full sequined gold dress, like a ball wow. gown. I was like, that's wow. going to be uncomfortable sitting for two hours. But yeah, wow. it's like people really went out. And it was hard to get seats, I feel like. I had to do it like a week yes. after I really wanted to go. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Every theater was pretty much sold out where you have to sit in the very yep. front row. Good. I yeah. mean, good for them. I'm so glad. And whether you <laughs> liked or didn't like the film, it's a it's opening up conversation. And that's really the point of the film anyway. And <laughs> another way to open up conversations. I know you're always impressed with my transition. <laughs> okay, I had a good transition. Okay, okay. You, you do your transition. My friend that I went to see Barbie with is our guest for today. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Uh, my transition was another way to have a conversation starter is to talk about your rock bottom stories. Well, that is certainly true. <laughs> I actually didn't register that guest connection until we were in the thick of the Barbie conversation. Nice. Like I knew nice. we were going to talk about this episode, but didn't actually register. And hopefully I'm not revealing her identity with that. But she also didn't go by a fake name. So I'm not. No, no I think she should be proud of the story. <laughs> yes, we are bringing back our rock bottom episode from 2018 you said julie like way before the yeah, pandemic 2018 <laughs> and this is a, a close friend of ours and she's she has her own share of dating stories but this is her rock bottom story and we also shared our own on this episode yes. the rock bottom stories i think once you are you give some time to simmer you can look back and think how funny how hilarious how crazy was the story but when you're going through it it's not a good feeling so we'll have to recognize that this is only funny in hindsight <laughs> but going through it yeah that's nobody likes going through a rock bottom moment so what is a rock bottom moment i feel like it's that moment that you're just like wow i cannot wow. believe that i'm doing this and you hear that commonly in addiction right you hit your rock bottom and i think that it can be for many parts of your life like in dating especially like if you find yourself continuously in the same patterns and attracting the same type of people sometimes you need to hit that moment that's a yep. wake-up call that something has to change it's always funny because like when Yue and I talk to, I think, friends more than listeners, often our friends try to like fight us because they're always like, oh, what could we do differently in our dating lives? And Yue and I, yeah. we've talked to so many people at this point that we can see it a mile away. And I've had this happen yeah. with m multiple friends, but it's hard balance because they're like kind of coming to it for your professional advice, but also like as friends and it's not under that context. So you're like, what do you want to actually hear? And what do mm -hmm. you want to know. But I ultimately think until someone's ready to make that change, like you can tell them over and over and over again. But you need that moment that wakes you up that you're like, this is not working for me. And I still think it's worth sharing, like, of course, if you're going to dating coaches and all that outside of us, even and therapists, like hear the feedback in whatever way it's given to you. But ultimately, you're the one that needs to take control when you're ready to take action on it. So true. No matter how many people, the Dalai Lama could tell you to change yourself yeah. and you would still not listen until you had that inner fire to change yourself. And the rock bottom moment is exactly that light bulb in your head that's like, fuck, something's got to change here. Yeah, I can't keep going like this. And I would argue all of us have experienced and need to experience rock bottoms 
in our mm-hmm. lives for change. But it also means that future change does not need to come from rock bottoms. We do not need to go through that every time. But there needs no. to be like, everyone goes through at least one rock bottom in their life. Yeah, and sometimes it's a series. Like I, okay, I have a moment that I refer to in this episode. I won't give it away. But then I also look back and I honestly don't remember if I talked about this in the episode. But I look back and I've referenced this quote, I'll put in air quotes, relationship multiple times on this podcast. It was Mm -hmm. a two-year situationship before situationship was a word. Basically, Mm -hmm. like, just a really bad situation where the person outright told me, like, they first started being like, I want to be in a relationship and took dangled that carrot and then took it away. It was like, actually, I don't. I'm not ready for a relationship, yet I stayed. And to me, that was two years, and it wasn't a single moment, but a lot of moments. But at the end of it, I'm like, I wish it was six months, not two years I didn't quote unquote waste I will never say waste because you're always learning something but after that I'm like I'm never going to be in a situation where someone tells me that they don't want something and I'm trying to prove them because it's a uphill losing battle yeah exactly that's the moment of change I'm never going to fucking do that again yes you won once you hit that epiphany so yeah this is a good episode we really wanted to bring it back (laughs) because I still chuckle every time I think about her story it's epic <laughs> so we won't we won't dangle that carrot anymore. Let's get on with the show. <laughs> Yes. But before we get into it, okay, quick announcements at Dateable Podcast. That's our Instagram. Go there, follow us. You know, you get behind the scenes, you get some been putting up our like individual videos or quotes or anything that's been on our mind. Both of us are definitely in high growth areas in different ways. So it's been fun to kind of like have that outlet to like experience a little more. So if you're not part of the Instagram community, get on on that we also have our facebook group we've gotten multiple requests to change the name from love in the time of corona we are working on it we are figuring out a better name i know like technically some people could argue we're still not out of it but i think most people at this point want to at least pretend that we're out of it and move forward Mm -hmm. so we will be changing the name but you will know but for now go to love in the time of corona you can find like-minded people ask them questions we do a really fun thing every week where you say your dating wins and i think it helps to remind you even the small things are making progress okay uh, why don't we just reach out to corona like beer and have them sponsor <laughs> our group and we don't have to change the name of it they get a lot of visibility I feel like they should rebrand because they're always gonna have that association <laughs> if anybody should change, change their name it should be yeah i was like corona. i never want to drink one of those ever again so no you're right but yeah you're right Okay, well, before we get into it, let's take a moment to hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is made possible by the books The Falling and The Burning by Anna Todd. You may recognize the name Anna Todd from her number one bestselling after series. But did you know that she has also written a new page turning romance trilogy? The first two books in The Brightest Stars are out now and are perfect summer reads. They're called The Falling and The Burning, just in time to heat up your summer. Set against the backdrop of a military base, 20-year-old Karina is proud of the independent life she's trying to create for herself in Fort Benning, Georgia. A dutiful officer's daughter, supportive sister to a troubled twin brother, 
and caring friend to her roommate, she always puts the needs of others ahead of her own. And when she meets a handsome soldier on the cusp of discharge, she's immediately intrigued by him as their uncertain and unexpected friendship starts to turn into something more. Get your hands on these two books, The Falling and the Burning by Anna Todd, wherever books are sold. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to ViaHemp.com and use the code DATABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's ViaHemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from ViaHemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Okay, let's talk about hitting rock bottom. Our guest today is an encore, encore guest. She was on a previous episode called The Bathroom Veil, if you remember from season four. Her name is Melissa. And she's back because we're here about another topic that's just equally as um, disastrous. <laughs> we're talking about this idea of a rock bottom. What does that mean? Have you ever had a moment in your life when it comes to dating where you were like, okay, something needs to change here. I need to do something different with my life and how I date. And this can't happen again. Melissa apparently has a story. And just a little refresher. 
Melissa is in her 30s, originally from New Jersey. She's lived in San Francisco for 13 years, and she's currently single and on a bit of a dating sabbatical. I wonder if that's because of her rock bottom moment, but we'll find out <laughs> very shortly. Hi, Melissa. Hey. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> How would you define rock bottom moment uh, in dating? You know, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It usually ends up in tears and um, <laughs> the decision that maybe you should be making better life choices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we can all relate to that one. So I'm ready to hear your story. Okay, well, um, this starts off as any rock bottom, any good rock bottom story starts off with a crush uh, that I had on a guy that was probably about, I don't know, maybe around 10 years my junior, um, <laughs> who I met on a party bus going to a water park. That's uh, always a good start. Yeah, yeah, you know, so it was somewhere in my 30s, I think it was like 30s, you know, time flies when you're making terrible life choices. Uh, <laughs> And uh, on a party bus to Waterworld. So already great life trajectory right there. And he just wasn't that into me. And, you know, you know how that goes. And so I was out drinking, day drinking all day. And he shows up at the bar. And, you know, it's awkward, but I'm still, like, trying to hang out. So and this is after Waterworld. Yeah. Okay. This is after Waterworld, and we had gone on, like, one date, and, you know, it just wasn't going anywhere. So how long after Waterworld? Uh, probably, like, m a month. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Some time had passed. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So he shows up at the bar that I've been, we were watching some sports game and it's kind of awkward, but like he doesn't tell me, but I hear through the group, we're going to this house party. So of course I like follow him. <laughs> And okay, I'm at this house party, and I don't know really anyone. I mean, I know some of the people that were at the bar that went to this party. We're not, like, really interacting, but, you know, it's just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Again, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing with my life or what. So um, he leaves uh, the party without even, like, saying goodbye, of course. And so I'm, like, distraught. You know, I'm like, what am I doing? I, I'm, I'm no idea where I am at this party with these random people. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to leave. Okay. So I walk out of the party and again, I'm pretty drunk. So I have no idea where I am. There's some random guy standing in the middle of the street and he says, hey, my roommate fell asleep and my apartment's locked and my phone is up in my apartment. So I have no way of like getting in touch with him or getting in. He has to use my phone and of course his roommate didn't pick up. I was like, you know what? Whatever. Let's, let's, I'm, I'm in the mood to like change this, turn this night around, right? You know? <laughs> so I, uh, I said, why don't you just text him? And we'll go get a drink and see if he texts back, you know? Dang. Okay. Yeah. So, on the street. Yeah. In the middle of the street. Random guy. Trying to be the guy. Yeah. 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 It couldn't get any worse, right? Well, apparently <laughs> well, it can. That, that's what I was thinking at the time. So we go, we have a drink, and his roommate actually does finally, like, call back. And uh, we end up going back to his place, you know, and I end up hooking up as, as one does with a random stranger on a street um so obviously that it wasn't even like worth it because i don't even remember whether we slept together i'm sure we did but you know whatever and that's something that i normally don't do either i don't like normally don't even know a guy's name and have like a one night right. stand that's like totally from the street. but to <laughs> be fair you had a drink first all right oh yeah okay i had a few drinks the whole day and then a few <laughs> drinks with him yes 
So, um, whatever, we hook up. And then in the middle of the night, I have to go to the bathroom. And again, not my best decision. I, I go completely buck naked out to the bathroom. He has several roommates. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I walk out of the bathroom. And it's like one of those typical San Francisco railroad apartments. Oh, God. <laughs> so there are like four doors Two on left side, two on the right side, four choices. <laughs> no idea which one's his. So still naked. Still naked. Totally naked. So I'm like, all right, let's just, let's see what's behind door number one. <laughs> Not his bedroom. Not his bedroom. Did he wake up like, or the person in door one? Oh, yeah. It was a couple. And I, <laughs> the girl was like, what the hell? Was like, the girl like, definitely flipped out about the door being open. I was like, whoa. Oh yeah. So I don't know what to do. I run into the living room. So now I'm crouching behind the couch. Totally naked. Were you still like drunk too? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have gone out in this like random guy's house totally naked if I wasn't drunk. So (laughs) I'm like, I just, I remember this moment, like sitting, like crouching behind the couch (laughs) naked, being like, oh my, if this guy finds me, what, like, what is... Naked and afraid. Exactly. (laughs) Luckily, the guy just, like, opened this door and I guess, like, looked down the hallway and didn't see me. So I was like, okay. So... He's probably like, what happened to her? She's been gone forever. You just bathroom bailed him. (laughs) You know, like, streaks coming from the other room. This was the guy whose door I, like, opened. He came out. Oh, The couple. The part of the couple. Yes, part of the couple. Okay, Okay, so they're probably like, like, who is this? Not your guy. I heard him like open the door, and that's when I was like, oh, oh, please don't come in here. No, no. See, the guy I was with wasn't fancy enough to have a door, um, which I which I re- remember after. <laughs> he was at the end of the hall behind a curtain. Um, so no doors there. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get one of the fancy guys. I got the, uh, <laughs> I didn't get a door. I got the old end of the hallway, bed at the end of the hallway behind a curtain. Converted closet. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I go back, I, I get back into bed with this guy and all of a sudden I'm like I think the sheets are wet you know I'm like and then I'm like elbowing him you know and I'm like hey hey and I'm like I think you peed the bed oh my god and he was like no I didn't I'm like yeah you did it's like no no that was you I was like no that wasn't me because I just went to the bathroom like every normal person does in the toilet and And it wasn't wet when you left no it wasn't so so he's he's like no that wasn't me that was you you know and I then then I got all CSI on his ass and I was like flipped on the lights and I'm like do you see the trajectory See how it's like the 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 wet spots in like a cone shape, whereas if it was me, it would just be, be a like a puddle. Oh my god! Like so clearly, and the guy's like denying it the whole time. I was like, you know what? I'm just going. I'm just gonna leave. You know? <laughs> what time was it right now? Oh god! It was like I don't know. I love that. That's <laughs> when you left. <laughs> Well, we keep he, the bed. You gotta yeah, I had enough clothes. Yeah, so that's one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I back in there. Right, and then like I'm, I, I'm like going to put on my clothes, and I like go to put on my sock. This one's wet. I'll leave this one with you. <laughs> so I'm like leaving one sock, like in my hand, one sock. Oh my god, on his room. 
get in my Uber, cry the whole, t- whole way home. Did you just put like drop pin because you didn't probably didn't know what location you were at. Or it just magically showed up. <laughs> oh, you know, whatever. Yeah, you find my location, whatever it is. So that was the moment when I was like, okay. There's a lot of rock bottoms in this one story. There's a lot of rock bottoms in this, in this one story that culminates to the ultimate rock bottom when uh, when I decided that maybe it was time to stop chasing 25-year-olds <laughs> because at the end of that tunnel – is a guy who pees <laughs> the bed and blames it on you. <laughs> so how did you actually find his room? Process of elimination or did you just like... Well, you finally I think re- I remember yeah. that it was a curtain. Yeah, I think I remember it because I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't actually open a door. That would be... <laughs> got it, got it, got it. I know that was clearly a very important part, but I was like, how did you get out of that? <laughs> yeah, I saw... I, I, I mean, you know, it's all very fuzzy, but I think I remember seeing the curtain at the end of the hallway and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you ran into this guy on the street today, yeah. would you recognize oh, him? not even... <laughs> yes, you, you don't know his name, I right? couldn't pick him out of a lineup. I couldn't. Do you have still no recollection of like where you were? I was probably somewhere in the marina. I think okay. I was on Union Street partying again. Another terrible life decision. <laughs> <laughs> but if his pee was presented to you in a lineup, would you recognize his pee? <laughs> I'd probably recognize the trajectory of the of the pee. What was his? reaction like when you left I, I don't even know I don't remember I just remember being like I am out of here like this is this is I'm done so I think he <laughs> oh was like God. trying to be like oh give me your number or whatever and I was like, <laughs> no, no. I know. like I just saw your pee now yeah <laughs> no, I just sailed. slept in your pee thanks <laughs> right well and though I think the worst part was that he tried to blame it on me especially right. since I had literally just gone to the bathroom right. So I guess like from this experience, I know you said it's like a rock bottom, but what in the future would you do different? And how are you feeling the next day? Where did you Maybe go Maybe that's wrong? the next question. How are you feeling the next day? Um, Like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I, you know, like it's, it's just very out of character for me to meet a rando on the street whose name I don't even know and sleep with him to begin with. And then... Well, you don't even know if you slept with him. Uh, right. Which is also a rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> right. That is a rock bottom. It definitely wasn't even worth it. Right. You know? Um, yeah. yeah, no door. I mean, that's a, another rock bottom. Yeah, Check. I mean, yeah. Everything about it. I would say that would uh, that would have been my lesson to learn to stop chasing younger boys, but that is not yet one that I've learned. <laughs> not until they pee later, on you, that, that's the end. I, oh, the end. I, I feel like once this episode airs, we're going to find this guy. I feel like this is probably going to be some <laughs> oh sort God. of legendary story that he's been telling his friends about his, his rock bottom. Or his couple roommate has been telling oh, yeah, him about the naked totally, girl appeared in the totally. middle of the night. He's like, the rock bottom is when I peed all over the bed and I tried to put it on her. <laughs> no, or he still thinks so you peed the bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like a girl, a random girl I met on the street peed my bed. My my logic was solid about the pee trajectory. I, I mean, I'm you know, I, I almost had like a black light out on those sheets. Like oh I was really making my case. No, so I, I mean, I believe you since you went to the bathroom. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think rock bottoms and dating and hookups could mean a lot of things. Yeah. But I think a lot of times, at least from personal experience too, it has stemmed from alcohol consumption. Of course. I know one of my personal moments when I was like, fuck, I got to do something different was I would go on dates and just get like 
wasted. wasted. I went on this date on like a Monday night. Is just, this your rock bottom story? I guess so. I guess so. I guess okay, so. And then we're gonna story. hear it anyways. <laughs> if I share, you share. <laughs> I'm so ready. <laughs> so I remember going out on a date on a Monday night, which is already like, what are you doing? And I and just got like hammered. Like we like hit it off in that moment, but just got fucked up. And I remember going to Tonic, a bar. After we had like drank like two Tonic bottles, always a good I know, place two to bottles go to. of wine at this other place, and it was like two for one because it was a Monday night. <laughs> and instead of us sharing two drinks, we both got two drinks. So, anyways, like long story short, he ended up coming back to my house. I also totally blacked out. I think we slept together. I'm not even fully sure. Um, I actually ran into this guy years later and he reminded me that we took a shower together, which I also (laughs) totally blacked out. I'm sure my roommate at the time loved that at like 2 a.m. on a Monday. Um, and then, um, I, the only thing I remember from the whole thing is him being like, do you do this often? And I was like, fuck. But I've run into him multiple times and I did tell him he was my rock bottom moment that made me stop drinking so much on dates. And his reaction was kind of like, uh, I don't know what to say to that. And I'm like, thank you for being my rock bottom moment. How did he, how did, how did the whole thing end? Oh yeah. So then of course that night he was like, oh, we're doing another, like we're going on another date. We're like planning our future together on this date. Okay? <laughs> Next day, don't hear from him. Of course. <laughs> then I text him, never hear back. So yeah. then years later I ran into him and called him out or he like approached me and I was like, do you know who I am? And he's like, of course. <laughs> and then I like called him out for it. And yeah, we had this whole At least you recognized him. Oh, I recognized him as soon as I saw him. It was like one of those moments I was like, oh, my rock bottom guy. How'd you meet him? Tinder. <laughs> of course. But you remember his name. You remember his face. I do. I do. I won't disclose it on the air, but I do remember his name and face. He didn't pee on you as far as we know. And I see him at the same Halloween party every year, which I plan not to go to this year. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right, anyway, you're up, you're up to bat. You know, it's like, uh, it, it's uh, like you said, alcohol is always an instigator. And we were, this is when Tinder, what was it called? Tinder, Tinder Social. Tinder Social was just released and it was group dating, right? Groups of friends can match with other groups of people. So we had, Julie was part of this group. Oh my god, yes, I remember uh, this. We we had just matched with a bunch of dudes on Tinder, tons of groups of dudes. And in the course of that, I was also swiping on individual profiles, okay? <laughs> Double Tindering. Double Tindering. Day drinking all day yeah. to yes. add to it. Yes. And I remember just swiping, 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 and the match with someone, and I just, we were so drunk by this point, I was like, okay, I'm going to start talking to this dude. And he's turned out to be a really nice guy. So I, of course, invited him out. Him- we invited them all to the same bar. Oh, yeah. We all we invited them all to Nikki's. Nikki's in the lower Nikki's hate. Nikki's in the lower like hate. 10 groups of dudes. Yes. And we were all wasted. And I didn't remember if I told him that I was Tinder socialing or not. I just remember saying, you should come out. 
And all I remember our conversation was him being like, I'm a scientist. I don't usually get out. This is like not a usual thing I do on a first date for Tinder, but you seem like a nice girl. I don't know what, how, but I, I, I want to meet you. So I'm like, okay. By the time he shows up, I'm pretty much cross-eyed at this point. Like, I don't remember anything. I, I was so wasted. And only like a few of us were left over because I think- And one random people, group of Tinder social guys that made it out. One random guys. Did, did you guys get a lot of- uh, Oh, we, we matched with a shit ton and only one showed oh, up. Yeah, all right. Which is kind of normal, right? Because we're just random, <laughs> random girls. We're like, come to Nikki's. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember there was a lot of giffies and come to Nikki's. Yes, that was the yes, situation. Yes. So he shows up and he's completely sober and he sees me <laughs> in my state I think of it was being. Like nine o'clock. It was like pretty it early. It was pretty early because we had been day drinking. And he looks at me, he's like, I guess I should catch up. I'm like, yeah. And so, of course, in, in him catching up, I'm also drinking with him. So I just get more <laughs> obliterated as more girlfriends drop out. And by the end, it's literally me, another girlfriend, and the two random Tinder social guys who were like vying <laughs> for her attention. And my my dude, at some point, everybody clears out and I'm just full on making out this guy. And I just hear him the whole time saying, I don't normally do this. This is not a normal thing for me. And do you do this often? Same question. Do you always do this with Tinder dates? I, I yep. you're one of my first Tinder dates. Is this what happens on Tinder? Like he has so many questions. And I was like, just shut up and make out with me. So at the end, I grabbed his hand. And I was like, we're going back to my place. And I'm pretty much naked by the time I get in. And not by him doing anything. I just decided to take all my clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> and he has all his clothes on. And we're full on making out. And I'm just like, let's just, let's just go you know, all the way. First of all, you guys don't remember if you slept with your guys. I specifically remember him rejecting me and wanting to sleep with him. He's like, um, no, I just don't think we're on the same level right now. And I'm not going to do anything with you. So I pass out. I just remember being like, I'm so tired. I pass out and I wake up to him over me with a wet cloth, just dabbing my face. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? Did he come on my face. I don't know. Like, something really nasty happened. But there's blood everywhere. And uh, I'm like, why is there blood on my face? And he's like, well, a uh, funny story. You, We were making out and you passed out and then you started snoring. And then um, you woke yourself up from your snore and I guess it agitated you somehow where your elbow flew um, out of the blanket and hit me in the face and gave me a bloody nose. Uh, he's in the course of like, wiping my face down and I'm just like I can't believe this but I'm still like let's do this oh my God. <laughs> he's like no this is definitely not <laughs> I'm definitely not gonna sleep with you now he finishes cleaning up my face and didn't have any of his clothes off so I can't even say he was putting his clothes on <laughs> he takes his keys and his whatever his phone and he looks at him he goes worst tinder date ever and then just leaves <laughs> But the best part of this is after this happened, because um, I remember having a really great connection with him. In my mind, we had an amazing night. <laughs> so the next day, I'm still texting him. As every him. rock bottom. As every rock bottom. <laughs> I remember just texting him and being like, oh my gosh, I thought we had so much fun. Did you have fun? And he's like, I don't know. Before or after the bloody nose, I don't know. 
So we're we're having a conversation and he's like still not asking me out. And I remember just like being super bitchy and being like, do you want this to go somewhere or not? If not, just say something. And he goes, I guess not. And that was all. And we just stopped talking then. Well, the most interesting part of this is that this happened uh, two and a half years ago. Earlier this year, I reached out to him or I passively like or followed him on Instagram. <laughs> and- <laughs> Because you haven't been stalking him all this time. Because in my mind, I had such a great connection with this guy. Why did it never go anywhere? And so two and a half years later, naturally, when you think yeah. about your rock bottoms, I I passively follow him on Instagram and he messages me right away, DMs me, and he's like, you do realize that we went on a date together many years ago. I was like, you know, I was really drunk, so let's go play by play of what happened. And we had totally different impressions of what happened that night. Really? To him, he showed up and I was I was already drunk. So he already made up his mind that he wasn't going to sleep with me the minute he saw me. And then he said, we had a really fun night. He doesn't remember getting the bloody nose from me. He thought he just got it naturally from oh. the stress at work and also just a lot of other things going on in his life. Yeah. So what added to the stress was the next day me bitching him out for not taking action. So oh. to him... The rock bottom was more how I reacted the next day. Interesting. Which made him not respect me or like me. It was a really negative experience because of what happened the next day. So it's interesting. interesting getting clarity about that. But regardless, like when you're just so fucked up and like making these decisions, like you said, Melissa, like that you would never do in a mm-hmm. thousand years, like that is time to take inventory on what <laughs> is going on. Yes. Exactly. And you know, and you don't know how you affect the other person yeah. because he told me after that date, <laughs> he like called up a friend of his it was like I'm deleting all my apps and that's what he did <laughs> well <laughs> yeah guy. I remember like my roommate at the time being like you need to like seriously like not drink so much on dates like cap it at mm-hmm. two drinks max like you cannot be like getting blackout drunk on like a Monday night yeah. On a first date. Well, and for me, it was also like, you should never let a guy affect you so much oh, that you're going to yes. like, cause like it, mine all stemmed from this stupid crush that like yes. didn't work out and he completely affected my, like my mood yes. and like yep. my behavior and your self-esteem. Like, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like you were looking for validation from this random. Yeah. You want me like, I'm so desirable. Yeah. <laughs> this random on the street yeah, wants me. I mean, it it could be homeless, it but even that. it was just like, maybe this will turn my night around. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. So what else can we learn from these rock bottom experiences other than the fact that they do make very entertaining stories yeah. after the fact? I've been telling this story at dinner parties for years now because I'm like, yeah. it's a very humbling experience well, for a girl, okay? I think like, what's the root? Like you were just saying, like, is there something beyond just like, oops, I got a little too drunk or like, for me, I think maybe it was like, I was nervous on dates. So I would mm-hmm. turn to alcohol and drink more on dates because I'd feel more ease and like, yeah. I wasn't able to just make that connection sober. So it's like actually from that, like through like uh, 500 brunches and other things, I did like a a lot more social activities that didn't require alcohol. Mm Because I think like so much of like my past was going to bars and meeting randoms and hooking up. And it's like there's better ways to make connections. So yeah, yeah. I guess it just depends on what you're looking for. If that point in my life, I thought I was looking for a serious relationship, but I obviously (laughs) did not give off that impression. Right. If a guy's coming into a date and I'm 
obliterated. That's not no. a serious image that I'm, I'm putting out there. So really thinking about what exactly you want and how you can best present yourself in that in that manner. The other things I want to talk about would be like, okay, let's talk about this whole drinking thing, drinking mm-hmm. on dates. We've talked about this before. It's so much easier to meet up for a drink or five. Yeah. And yeah. Then it's, and you do feel that liquid courage. You, I actually find the other person more attractive once I start drinking. <laughs> and I think it's the setting too. There's something about like a dim bar yeah. where you're sitting side by side opposed to like a coffee shop where it's light and you're across the table. It just like lends itself to a more like conducive setting to have a connection. Yeah. So how can we get around that? Or is this something we need to get around? Is it just more about control? I think it's control. I think like know your limits. There's no reason we should have done, in my case, done two for one individually. (laughs) Like that should have like, why was that even something we were doing? Right? Like I could have also cut it after that first bar. Like there was no need to continue. I think sometimes like when you're in the moment, it's hard because you're like, this is so fun and having such a good time. I want to keep it going. Yeah. But maybe it's having a little bit of that control that you're like, I feel the alcohol creeping in. I yeah. don't want to like do something I regret. Maybe I should cut it now. And then if it's meant to be, I'll see this person again. And a lot of times drinking is sort of a nervous reflex in a way. You feel like you need to be doing, doing something with your hands or doing something in general. Right. So it takes up time. Um, a friend of mine said you should do uh, each sip of a drink match that with a sip of water and that elongates your drink or the time you spend drinking that drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty good advice, I would say. And then you don't get as drunk as fast. Yep. Or, or set a limit to drink rule or something like that. I mean, especially if it's a first date, you know, Yeah. you want to yeah. keep them wanting more, right? Right. And you can also like, I know that I had a date actually not that long ago that the guy said he only wanted to have one drink mm-hmm. and then he like left really early. So it was like kind of weird. <laughs> so I think my thought to him and I said this was like, we you could have had like a water or yeah. something like you can do other things to like keep the convo going. It yeah. doesn't need to be as black and white as like, I only need two drinks exit or do like one drink water one drink like to like spread it out a little let's hold that thought for a quick message we are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey and yet we rate everything in our lives from uber drivers to local coffee shops so why don't we do the same thing when dating we're here to conduct the ultimate romance review featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think for all of our stories, I think there are moments that we could have identified that could have prevented us from spiraling downwards. So I think we can go around and identify where that moment 
would be. I think my <laughs> moment was uh, probably the minute I grabbed his hand and made him go back to my place with me. I think mm. that if I had stopped that, I don't think we would have spiraled. Like I, I, like I said, mine's a little bit different. It's less about the drinking and more about like chasing guys that don't like me mm-hmm. and then having that effect my mood and like my actions so I should have never like gone to that party followed the guy there I mean like it's not like he invited me (laughs) I I, I, like followed him with the group of people that were going only for him so for me it was like all right you got to stop finding guys that don't like you going after them and then having that completely affect your actions and your mood you know yep And you said something interesting to me was when you saw the guy on the street, you thought, hmm, maybe this could turn my night around, which is actually giving control over to someone else to turn your night around when you are in control of your thoughts and feelings, right? So the time we relinquish that power to someone else, you're bound to probably spiral downward somehow, (laughs) right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's like a hard thing to say because I think just some of it is... I think you have to have these moments because yes, you do you learn from them. Like I think hypothetically, you could be like, "Don't drink as much on a date," but then until it happens, and yeah. you're just like, "Oh my god, I don't even know if I hooked up with someone or not." And I apparently was taking a shower with them and don't remember that at <laughs> all. Like then you're like, "Oh, like what am I doing?" So I guess to your question of what the point was, I don't know what mine was. It clearly just kept spiraling. I think like, the two for one. Yeah, the two for one. Honestly, I think before then it was like over. Yeah. I think that was like it kept going, but not controlling myself is probably the biggest thing. Mm, yeah. And what were some of the actions? We did talk about how how you changed how you dated afterwards, but yeah. what are some of the, the specific actions? I remember I did delete all my apps after that and thought, I don't want to show my face ever again. But I also thought um, there were some ways that I could enjoy myself better as opposed to like thinking that getting male attention was what I needed in a night to make me feel good. Yep. That's a good one. I think for me, like I mentioned earlier, was like being in more social settings that didn't require as much alcohol or any alcohol and like kind of getting up confidence that way and not relying on it as much. Yeah. I mean, for me, actually, you were uh, talking about how I'm on a dating sabbatical. And I think one of the reasons I am is because I still struggle with this letting a guy completely like control my emotions or like even if because like even, you know, if I'm dating someone, whether he texts or not, like that has such an effect over Mm. how my day goes, yep. how I'm feeling. And I like made a decision. I'm like, I don't want, as you were saying, anyone to control yep. how I'm feeling or my emotions anymore. Like, I don't want to, you know, have this based on what somebody else's actions are. Like, totally. That's so, I know it's so hard to do because someone could make or break your day, but when they make your day, it feels so damn good. It's yeah, like exactly, a drug. You're addicted exactly. to it. So you keep wanting that. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to say, do, but it's, uh, and it's, it's also, it like turns it around so much. You could be like so down about like, I haven't heard from him yet. And then like all of a sudden, as soon as you do, it's like, Woo! yeah, yeah, yeah. All's forgiven. It's yeah. True, and that's though. why I hate yeah. it. Like I didn't, I don't, I didn't want to go through that anymore. Like totally. I just, well, it's good that you like had moments like this to realize <laughs> that, like this is a problem. And that's what the point of rock bottom is, yeah. right? It's <laughs> to be like, I need to change something. Like I can't yeah. keep 
repeating this. I would love to find Melissa's rock bottom. Julie and I both have confronted our rock bottoms. I, it is my goal in life to find Melissa's rock I've bottom. I've seen my rock bottom way too many times. I'm just going to put that out there. But it'd be great to get his perspective and, you know, him out in a lineup. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure he remembers I will say, though, story. like, my rock bottom, when we reconnected, he was like, because I called him out for, like, ignoring my text, and he's like, we're going to go on a date tomorrow for brunch, and he did follow through. Oh, oh, good. So, but did I didn't get, go. Did I, you get his I, side of the story? Like, like UA got his side of the story? I think did he you just get... thought I was like young and a hot mess. Like, yeah. I think that's <laughs> I like, I don't think like, yeah, like I think he just like thought I was super immature. Yeah. Mm. And he thought I was like way younger than I was, which I don't think was a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, what are some of our takeaways from this whole discussion about rock bottom? Oh, boy. Um, first of all, go have a rock bottom. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, yes. I think everyone needs to. Like, you know, like everyone's like been in like that bad situation that they're like, I'm never going to do this again. I think you need this. But when you do have a rock bottom, identify it as opposed yes. to being like, oh, that was just a bad night. No, <laughs> when you have a rock bottom, you got you to gotta first admit it is a rock bottom and then you right. got to learn from it. I think some of my takeaways would be, you um, again, we're all like on a journey and sometimes you meet people at a place that where they're not at their best and we just have to forgive them for where they are. We're all works in progress. Um, I'm actually really grateful that my rock bottom was able to forgive me in his memories of how I presented myself that night. But we also have to treat others that way when it comes to dating. You don't know what people are going through. Right. What are, this is, I don't know if it's a takeaway, but I want to commend these men that don't take advantage of women when they've yeah. been tricky a lot. Because yeah. I've actually also had that situation. Not my rock bottom, but close to it. <laughs> Where a guy turned a me down because middle. I was too drunk. So I think that kind of goes to my second point of like a rock bottom doesn't necessarily have to be one incident. It could mm. be a few leading up or one that like, <laughs> I think like for me, at least the one that I remember, it's not per se like if that happened in a vacuum and that was like a one off, I'd be like, oh, what did I do? But it may not have been a rock bottom. I think it was because there was a series of other ones before it that weren't as extreme, but like still there was like something I needed to resolve. So I think it's identifying, like if you have a moment looking at like what else is going on. Mm. And I think the point we made too is like, what is the deeper thing? Are you feeling insecure? Are you feeling like X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. And look at that, not just like, oh shit, I drank too much, but what, what is driving me to drink that much on dates? Mm. Okay. Yeah. Just not going after guys that are clearly not into it, not forcing it, you know, it should happen naturally. And then if it doesn't work out or if something doesn't go my way, then not trying to either fix it with other actions or, yep. um, you know, let it affect my my mood, how I feel, and what I do afterwards. Yeah. So. I think it all comes down to self-respect from yeah. all of ours. It's yeah. like do I respect the decision I made last night? Like if I was to tell like yeah, my like true. brother my or sister about <laughs> it, like my would I be like cringing or would I be like okay with my life choices? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, mine wasn't like a conscious, like, oh, this guy's gonna like make me feel good. Right. Mine was just like, what else am I doing? Why not? Like, right. Yeah, but I think I'll have it's a drink good with this that guy. you can relate it back to those feelings yeah, right, later because right. you're like, oh, like actually that was what was driving it. In the yeah. moment, mm-hmm. I didn't think it. Right. Usually, in the moment, you're not thinking is right. the problem. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like, well, I'll just go have a drink with this guy. Why not? Did not know that it would end up with you know the way it did. <laughs> cool. Well, do we have time for a quick question of the day? Yeah, let's do it. This question comes from Raquel. She says, I want to meet men out in real life, but I'm also concerned putting myself in a dangerous situation as a woman. How can you balance being open, but also being safe? Yeah, this is a good one, especially like from what you said, Melissa, about like meeting someone on the street. I think you got relatively lucky <laughs> that all he did was pee, but yeah. <laughs> in the scheme of things, it could have been worse when you think about it. So this is a tough one. I think one, like to what we were saying is, watch your alcohol levels, mm-hmm. like make sure that you're alert enough. Yeah. And also always meet out in public places. <laughs> don't take them home with you if you don't really know them that well. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I feel like meeting someone in real life is less risky than yeah. on an app because you can actually like get a better feel for, you know, the person that they are versus like, who knows who this person is at the end of this app. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the advice of meeting in public goes mm-hmm. for both. Like yeah. I think... Especially right. for an app, I agree. It's like you do not have your first date in their home. Like yeah. go somewhere public. And I think it <laughs> as all of us did. No, I know, I know. <laughs> but I have heard this happen before that like women either invite someone to their home or a man asks to go to the home and it's like it just mm-hmm. doesn't feel safe in general. Well, in Melissa's situation, you are the threat here. Okay. <laughs> Naked woman going into some random person's room, pro- possibly or robbing them. You could just pee on them so they the leave. Naked bandit. <laughs> yeah, the naked bandit. Just pee on them so they exit your home immediately. <laughs> Here, here, uh, here's something that I'm thankful for that night this happened to me was that I was, there was a, one girlfriend left standing at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. So she saw the guy, she yeah. saw what he looked like, yeah. she knew I was going home with him or took him home and she could uh, also check up on me the next day. Yeah. The problem is that they don't have that many identifying information, like hypothetically had something gone wrong. Like, yeah. How would she like? Yes, yeah, she might have a recollection of him, but what else does she have? I That's think true, even yeah. like I know it's awkward to be like, "What's your address? Let me give it to your friend." But like finding more of a subliminal way is one option. Or you just can't not... just ask to take a picture of their ID and then send it over to your friend. <laughs> Airdrop everyone in this bar. Yeah. Or at least like getting their last name before you. Go. I mean, if you're not, if you don't even know their last name, maybe that should That's be a, a sign that you shouldn't be running to their home. What about their first so... name? What about their... <laughs> yeah, maybe a bigger sign. So maybe get, number one, maybe, yeah, maybe get first name, last name, and then just subtly tell your friend in the bathroom. Yeah. Watch your drink. Always watch your drink. Yeah. We put ourselves in danger on a daily basis. Yeah. And somehow when we start drinking, it impairs our common sense with that mm-hmm. stuff. So, so again, know your limit. Yeah. Maybe yep. that's also an answer. Yep. Keep, yeah. Keep your alcohol level down. I definitely keep it in think a, so. Keep it in an open public place. Yep. Yeah. And always have your alcohol with you. <laughs> At all times, especially in the yeah. bathroom. Oh, oh, oh. Take your drink. It's like, what? It's like, <laughs> I know, that's what I thought. Yeah, I okay. Like, bring so it with you. Know, like, I think like what Melissa said, your, don't leave it unintended. Yeah, keep yeah. your drink with you. <laughs> Can I buy you a drink? Don't worry, I've got my own. I brought my own. <laughs> 
in this plastic water bottle. This is why men are having it so difficult to know if they should buy drinks or not. Every girl's like, don't get near my drink. Don't get near my drink. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. I think that, uh, Raquel, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> if not, we apologize. <laughs> um, any other takeaways from these rock bottom stories? They're very entertaining in hindsight, yes. And we invite our listeners to share your rock bottom stories with us. Yes. And I'll, I'll give you a few examples because it doesn't have to be a rock bottom story of you hooking up with someone. A guy friend of mine, his rock bottom moment was he was at a club when he was like in his early 40s and he looked around and there was like a mirror behind him and he suddenly saw himself in the mirror and he, he thought, oh my God, I am that guy, that <laughs> guy, guy that I saw when I was in my 20s and 30s and thought, that guy doesn't belong here. Yeah. I became that guy. And he was like that creepy older man think, wearing this polyester shirt yeah. and like weird pants. I don't know. He said, I became that guy that yep. I was so fearful of or made fun of. I remember Madison Aww. Perry we had as a guest mm-hmm. as well in season two. And he said the same thing. That was his moment that he's like, I'm too old to be doing Aww, this shit. I don't think that's fair somebody who's older who likes to go to like shows well, and stuff like I think as long as you feel comfortable with yourself like I don't think it's about an age thing I think for him yeah. he didn't want to be that person he mm-hmm. had seen before yeah right and he had somehow became the sleazy guy who's picking up on these tricks <laughs> right. at a club where he actually wanted a, a family yeah, right yeah, if you're yeah, still yeah. having fun and enjoying yourself yeah, that's I mean, one thing I yeah. think yeah but yeah, I think there's many different rock bottom stories. We also had someone that talked about um, a travel accident that caused mm. them to reexamine their whole life and how they dated. So there's many things out there. It can be the wide gamut, but we'd love to invite people to send them because we'd love to continue this in other seasons. And most importantly, we want to know what you did after this rock bottom happened. What did you change about your life? What are the actions that you took and what did you learn from it? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> cool. Let's wrap this up. Again, we invite you guys to tell your stories. This is we got to share these stories. Otherwise, we feel like we're just crazy on our own, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Stay Datable. The Datable Podcast is part of the Frolic Media Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Datable Podcast and visit datablepodcast.com for access to all the episodes and our premium programs. Also, make sure to subscribe today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you are the first to get all the latest episodes and most importantly stay dateable